This is the Community Builder Podcast with Travis King. I sit down with world-class community builders who are bringing together the tribes of the future. Oh, they're also restoring human connection one conversation at a time. This podcast exists to serve as a resource to myself and others to learn from and also come along for a fun, insightful journey. Whenever I stumble across a topic or skill that I'm interested in learning or a juicy problem I'd like to solve, I go straight to the source. This is an audio journal of stories from amazing community builders who all carry wisdom, insights, and knowledge to serve as a communal compass to help you find your direction. On this episode, I'm testing a new skill, and that's content creation. At least that's the name of this game. So with that, here's my first run at a fully solo produced episode. Up to this point, every episode that you've seen has been released and produced by the podcast press team. So let's get into the show. Quick shout outs and thank yous. First to Nicolette Oilemans for taking the time to chat with me. To Tim Ferriss for providing me with the DISC method, which is my go-to framework for learning. Canva for providing a platform to help me shape my ideas into better stories through pictures. Adobe Audition, which I'm using to actually edit this episode. And also to Nathaniel Dodson for making your audio and voice sound better audition CC tutorial video. Also Pippa.io where they provide the best podcast hosting analytics and ads helping thousands of podcasters, including myself, grow our audiences and earn more from our shows. These are not sponsors of the podcast, just references to things that I've talked about during the episode or that I've learned um, along the way. Let's get into the show. So it was a lot of reading Malcolm Gladwell to begin with. Then you move into Adam Grant, who did originals. Um, and then you go, you know, now I'm reading Tim Ferriss, which is great. Um, surprised that I didn't read his book or any of his books uh, up until now, because I've, I've been listening to his podcast and the other podcast that I love is How I Built This on NPR. I think it's an amazing podcasts that people should listen to regardless if they're entrepreneurs or or um you know budding entrepreneurs because you can learn a lot from it oh yeah i think stories are one of the the hidden gems of our generation we can learn so much from stories because we all experience them from our own eyes it's just like so insane how much we can learn so fast and it's crazy because we often get caught up and think that like no one else could see it this way like no one else could understand it but you'll be surprised Mm -hmm. at how many other people can connect with with the way you saw that story oh yeah and and also Um, When it comes to travel in particular, what I always like is talking to people about the the same destinations that we may have seen, but like you said, everyone kind of has a unique story about it. And so you may have both gone to Barcelona, but had very different experiences. And that's, that's really always really interesting to me. Yeah. And I think what's so interesting too, is that like each experience, like 
puts another piece or like adds another chapter to your story, which also changes the dynamic of your personality, which I think can throw people for a spin if they're not used to it. Because I know when I yeah. first experienced like after travel, if you will, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, um, yeah. I didn't really know what was happening. And so it was tough for a little bit. But then once I realized that I now see the world from a different lens, that it's okay to see it this way. And I now have, you know, more diverse point of view. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of travel too. And I, even talking to people who say that they don't have a big budget or that they can't afford to travel very far. I mean, we live in a country where different states almost have their own kind of interesting identities. So you could, in a few hours, be in a completely different state. And I, I don't think that carry, you know, traveling domestically is, is a bad idea. It also reveals a bit about where you're from and how different people are, but it's a, it's a cool way of kind of learning more about your own roots as well. Yeah, totally. And speaking of roots, um, definitely always love going all the way back to where people started, right? Like when you start a story, it's always unique and everyone always starts in a different place. I like to think of um, the Hunger Games and how people come from different factions. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but that that like story always resonates with me. So definitely would love to start off um, by sharing, Nicolette, like what was it like growing up for you? Like how did you get started? Like what's the start of your story? Yeah, so I grew up in a bilingual household in the Netherlands. My mom is Polish, my dad's Dutch, so I was raised bilingually. My parents were always traveling a lot throughout Europe, and so I feel like they are very much responsible for the sense of wanderlust that I have and I've always had since I was a kid. You know, we traveled really often. In fact, they started traveling with me when I was a baby to, uh, to Poland so that my grandparents could officially meet me. And then uh, in 2000, we moved to the US for my dad's work. And that really started our expat life here. So I feel like travel has always been something that I feel very grateful and excited to do. And with that said, the thing that I enjoy connecting with other people about is is travel because it's always so interesting to me that as people, and I mentioned this earlier, we go to similar destinations, but we can have such unique experiences. And that to me kind of signifies the beauty of travel and getting to know local culture in our own way. So I I love being able to talk to other people about that experience and and really connect. Awesome. I love that. And for people that I feel like oftentimes it's tough when you don't know where to go or, you know, what to look for when it comes to travel. Um, So I guess, could you talk a little bit about some of the things that you learned early on, I guess, from your parents about like wanderlust as a a child, Um, like little tips that you might have picked up early on that other people might now be like, oh, yeah, duh, I should do this when I travel. Yeah, so I think what people can really do before they even travel is read a lot. And, you know, in that sense, even if you pick up a book, it can really open up your mind as to how a, uh, you know, another destination may be. And you could look at 
local literature of a, of a destination, or you could specifically think about, um, you know, there's so much content out nowadays. You can look up blogs, you can do a lot of research and reading to really get a sense of what a place is like. So I think it requires just being kind of curious about the world at large and talking to people and even just going to local meetups in the town or city that you're in and talking about travel or talking about people's experiences that they may have had and sort of familiarizing yourself with different destinations and different stories. I think it's, I think it's more about, you know, intrinsically connecting with people offline uh, and really getting to know people and hearing their stories. Yeah, I think stories is the the key theme from what um, I'm picking up there. And um, I guess, could you talk to us a little bit about um, some stories that, you know, some of your favorites that you've picked up along the way? Yeah, I mean, I always love the idea of the uh, the six degrees of separation concept. So the idea that we're all connected to each other in some way, shape or form. And I love hearing stories of people meeting each other, you know, across the world, or um, I think one of my favorite stories is of um, two friends of mine who connected with each other when they were both in Berlin. One was there for a summer internship, and the other person was there for a different summer internship. Um, one of them was a friend of mine from college, and the other one was a friend from high school. And they somehow ended up meeting each other, and I got Facebook messages from both of them. I remember this on the same day, saying, "You know, wow, we're we're in Berlin here. We just found out that we know each other because we started talking about school." Um, and there's other stories like that, you know, where people learn that they have some kind of mutual connection and they may be that connection may be someone that's halfway around the world and they don't know it. So I think the world is a lot smaller sometimes than people give it credit for in that sense. And you can really connect with people on a level nowadays, uh, you know, with help of technology, but also with help of just talking to people and going out there and traveling and getting to know people on another level. Definitely love knowing people on another level um, because like, it's so simple. Yeah. And the crazy thing too, um, Lauren and I just experienced this as well. It's crazy how when you go to another place, you want to connect with people, but when you're in your backyard, you don't want to talk to the couple that's next to you. Right? It's always interesting. It's so interesting to me. It's so fascinating. Um, so I guess switching gears a little bit, let's talk um let's talk about what community means to you. So to me, I think it comes back to community being a place where people can talk freely. So it's it's not only a space where people can share stories and get inspired, but it's also a space where people can feel supported, they can share advice, they can ask questions, and they can rely on each other for feedback. And 
the interesting thing about community is that it doesn't have to be this like homogenous thing, meaning that I think there's room for people to have differences in opinion or even perspectives, but it should still be a place where people feel comfortable talking to each other, no matter the differences. And, you know, if there's room for healthy debate, then so be it. But I think it needs to be a space where people can and should talk freely without feeling judged, without feeling like they're cornered into something. Like it, it should be a space where you can share stories and feel connected to other people. I agree so much with that. And to add on top, um, what are some ways that um, people can, you know, do some of the things that you mentioned? Like, what are some ways they can talk freely? How can they help people feel supported? Um, what are some ways or methods to share advice, ask questions, like whichever ones like jump out at you? I think it needs to be encouraged, you know, open conversations and free-flowing conversations really need to be encouraged by people that are community leaders. Now, they don't necessarily need to have that title, but I think it's important for someone to carry the conversation or encourage people to share stories. And there have to be, it doesn't necessarily have to be one person. It could be, you know, multiple people that just have more of a naturally free-flowing vibe to them um so but there has to be some way for people to feel excited about sharing stories or even if the stories are a bit more you know deeper or emotional feeling safe and like they have room to have that conversation or be able to share the story so I think it helps a lot to be able to connect with people who have similar interests, but at the same time, I also always you know, emphasize that it could also be interesting to talk to people who may not necessarily share the exact same interest or who just have a different perspective on it. Um, I think it's just about being open and receptive to opinions. And, you know, there's some people who, like to talk more and debate other people a bit more. And there's other people who prefer a, a much more um, easygoing conversation. And I think the community leader or whoever is organizing the community should have a, a good understanding of the people that are part of that community and what makes them feel comfortable talking to other people. Yeah, I really love that. And it's funny, too, because I have a little quick, um, I guess, snippet story um, from when I was at a community-focused company. And um, there was a team that was working on a project that was focused on bringing together employees within companies. So think of like a meetup mm -hmm. inside of your own company. Um, so just like, you know, formerly known yeah, as employee resource groups, uh, most companies like at a larger size they have a more developed HR and a culture um, that have, if you've been around for a little mm -hmm. bit longer, um, you find that these sorts of companies have, you know, some of these in place. And the interesting thing about this project was that they were doing it around people's interests. So imagine like a daytime story time while you're at work for your passion. 
So people did mm-hmm. things like um, we talked about when This is America by Childish Gambino. When that video came out, there was a lot of buzz and mm-hmm. a lot of conversation. And we actually did, you know, a quick little event, like a quick little meetup where we discussed and talk about, you know, how we each saw the video. And there was, you know, 12 or, or 13 right. of us in the room, all with different perspectives. And it was, you know, I think it was like six o'clock right after work. Um, but it gave us a space to talk about something that was outside of work and brought us all closer together around that common interest. Mm-hmm. And I had people in the room from development. We had people from the community team. We had salespeople. We had marketers. We had project managers all talking about Childish Gambino, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so, right. um, and, the, okay. and like one of the, the kind of the key point that I want, want, to, want to share with people is that the person organizing this you know, each time there was a different organizer, which was very unique as well, because the team mm-hmm. that was putting it together oh, wow. had, you know, a set of resources that was focused on making sure the organizers, you know, understood the people that were attending the event and they could curate it in such a way that everybody could have an equal experience and feel as comfortable as they, you know, felt given, you know, their background, circumstances, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I I definitely think like bringing community and giving people excited about sharing stories, um, and also seeing different perspectives about, you know, I was in a room again with people talking about their passion projects and I was like, oh wow, like I didn't think that you would want to make a card game or I didn't think that you would want to write short stories, you know? So, um, definitely really am, um, bullish on people giving their employees space at work, I'm going to repeat that again because this is like a thing in like the B2B world that you don't hear a lot is that like at work, like this is a space where you want people to be productive and efficient and focused on your mission. But remember that people spend the majority of their days at work. at your company. And so exactly. um, realizing ways that we can enhance and help bring people closer together and show you that it's like really only 30 minutes a day that you could do this, then you could really help so many people. Um, I think it's such a valuable um, little tip to share. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the fact that you mentioned that you've learned so much about different team members that you may not necessarily interact with every day or even, you know, every week is is so neat. And I think it's really important for employers to remember that people have lives outside work and that sometimes the interests that people have may even be beneficial for use at the company. I mean, you may want to pull in different team members when you're ideating or when you're brainstorming different ideas or when you're working on different projects, why not bring in a team member from the product team plus, you know, the marketing team plus a developer plus a salesperson, et cetera, et cetera, because you do get the different perspectives and who knows what right. may come out of the and I definitely think it's, it's, I think it's a kind of like a good segue into talking a little bit about, you know, the different tribes that exist um, and kind of speaking more specifically about tribes. Um, would definitely love to hear a little bit more about the, the culture trav tribe that you founded and started off of the Twitter chats. I remember, right. The Twitter conversations back in, in 2014, I think you mentioned when we talked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, back in 2014, I 
started really participating more in Twitter chats, which are these online real-time conversations that are happening over a specific hashtag at a set date and time. Now, that's a lot to remember, but what they do is uh, essentially you can connect with people by using the same hashtag in a, in a Q&A format. So you, for example, the, the chat can have a theme around, say, uh, street art, and you can have entire conversations with people all over the world about street art over this hashtag. So it's a really fun way for people to connect with other people, uh, sharing their perspectives. And as people respond with the associated hashtags, other people can start talking to them, asking questions, having broader conversations. Um, and, and travel is something that's really easy to talk about because it tends to be something that people are very passionate about and you know travelers often reflect on how they personally grow from visiting many different destinations and learning from different cultures so it's it's especially easy to to talk about travel yeah in that and I, I also too wanted to talk real quick about your um the kickstarter that you launched the travel banter game because this is something that also during the little um in, internal um, events like the meetups that I mentioned uh, that I participated in. There was also another game um, that we played and mm -hmm. it really helped us like literally just realize that like these cards can help guide the conversation. Like a set of cards can bring exactly. together people and lead a conversation. So like just that example of like um, you created a game or a card game um, back in October of 2018. Um, I definitely want to, to let you talk about that mm -hmm. and, and share, you know, kind of the story behind that. Yeah. So the, the Kickstarter for travel banter it was really inspired by the online conversations that my culture traff community has had over the years. So I launched the very first Twitter chat back on November 13th, 2014. I still remember the day. And I really wanted people to have conversations at a deeper level where they talked about, you know, what really helps us get to know local culture of a different, you know, destination that we visit. So the chat has is still happening. It's happening every week, every Thursday. There's travelers connecting from all over the world and sharing conversations. And travel banter, which is kind of the byproduct of those conversations, I see that as a real-life version of the Twitter chats. And it really helps people have fun and meaningful conversations around the topic of travel and getting to know local culture. And like you said, it's, it's such a exciting and easy tool to use to get to know people that you may otherwise not have heard their stories right. from. And I also think it's like such an easy way to give people that first step into what it's like to be vulnerable and share their experiences, because this is another thing that you kind of don't really know how to do unless you do it multiple times, at least from my experience. Exactly. And we don't naturally, you know, gravitate 
toward uh, a conversation starter game. It's something that requires a bit of nudging and a bit of an introduction. I think, you know, as soon as people start playing the game, they can't really stop and they get excited and it's something fun, but it's, it's not necessarily something that a lot of people think they need. You know, in fact, I've had people say, well, I don't need a conversation starter. I, I can talk to people about work and the weather. And to me, you know, there's nothing wrong with talking about work, but I think you can have lots of interesting, inspiring conversations around things like travel and interesting street art that you've seen, delicious meals you've had on the road, fun road trips you've been on. There's there's so many more opportunities to really get yeah, to know I people on a deeper level. I think the deepness scares people away a lot. And that's something that I've been, I guess, more so observing rather than trying to solve as of late because I've realized that in order mm -hmm. to solve any sort of problem, you have to experience it enough times. And for me, I don't think I've experienced that enough. And so now I'm just like, okay, how can we make it so simple for people to see that this is no different than like brushing your teeth or drinking water, like connecting and having conversations is normal. <laughs> So like this is it's not normal now. Right. Slack conversations, iMessage chats, Instagram group chats, WeChat, YouChat, right. your cousin chats, all the chats. <laughs> um, this is how people communicate yeah. now. And so like actual conversations like right. don't happen offline as much. And when they do, they're often filled with negativity and the, the I don't even know what else because I forgot what those are like. Um, yeah. Awkwardness. Like, like people feel weird talking face to face about things sometimes. Um, I have a funny quick anecdote that I'll share that actually happened today, but uh, somebody was coming by from this organization. They were going door to door trying to sell people on something. And I opened the door and the guy said, look, I know we're in 2019 and it's really weird for people, you know, to, to just try to be, to try to solicit and still knock on your door, but this is what we're about. I'll keep it very quick. Because, you know, do you have a minute to talk? So I did the guy a favor. I talked to him for a little bit. And he said, you know, it's surprising how often people will slam a door in our face or, you know, how awkward or weirded out people are when we strike up a, a conversation and try to talk to them about the environment or yeah it's it it's, it's 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 almost upsetting but it's one of those things it's you can only do as much as you can with the resources and the time you have and so like what i what i've also been ex experimenting with a little bit is just try to put myself in the other people's shoes and one i guess like hack if you will that mm -hmm. i've learned to do that i guess the way i've learned to do that is by imagining it like a scene in a movie and just imagine that I'm that person mm -hmm. and I saw the same scene that they saw and I lived what they lived and just see how I would think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and I think that's awesome. I feel like that's lacking a lot 
these days. So it's really cool to hear that you're doing that and, you know, to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and kind of almost look at yourself from someone else's perspective is really neat or, or, or look at what they might be thinking. And yeah. And I think that's also ask. tough too, because often it's like that, Ooh, am I overstepping my boundary by asking this vulnerable and deep question? Like anybody that knows me knows I'm like the king of deep conversation. And I often go way too deep, way too fast. But like knowing that I was known for that, I'm now learning to back up and realize that like, you can't mm-hmm. just go to level 58 Trav on the first conversation. um so it's definitely like a good thing to to remember and learn and that's like um definitely speaking to so many lessons that you know being a traveler yourself like you learn so many lessons in so many different places like you have probably hundreds of stories just in one picture right i mean there there is a lot but at the same time you know what's interesting too is that so the thing that I, I like to I like to think of, and it kind of relates to what you were saying, but behind every social media profile is a real person. And that is something sometimes that people at a basic level forget. And, you know, you have to ask yourself questions like, what stories does this person have to share? And how can we connect with each other on a, a deeper level? How do I know what these person's interests are? What excites this person? So, you know, there's a lot of different platforms out there and constantly evolving technology. But I think at the very essence of it, people continue to crave real conversations no matter the platform. So, yes, there's technology and there's tons of new social media Um algorithmic changes and constant updates but I think no matter what it's really important to keep inspiring people to keep sharing stories whether it's online or offline and to not forget that storytelling is at the core of everything we do I mean when we're trying to sell a product there's a story behind it when we're trying to help someone out we're trying to figure out what this person's needs are what the larger story is and we connect with people over shared experiences and we learn from each other when we have different experiences so i think when we hear stories that we can relate to we feel inspired yeah i think that's such a huge thing and there's actually there's another one um from the meetup now the events that they did it there was one about the i think it was misrepresent or underrepresentation in media so like do you see yourself on the big screen and like you Mm -hmm. had people from all different backgrounds sharing their stories of you know who do you see on the big screen that looks like you and what did that do to your life um so right exactly to your point Right. Yeah. No, and I think I think it's I think that's actually a really interesting thing to think about as well and you know encouraging more people to to share their stories. There's there again there are lots of different platforms to do it, but I still think that connecting with people 
offline is a hugely important thing just to also understand who we are, how we evolve over time and yeah. How and we I think the other thing too that I one thing that I've learned along the way oh Thank you. Okay, sorry. Um, my robot friend almost picked me up, and I was just like, she, she was moving, but I didn't want to say her name because then she would have turned on. But um, side note, um, as I was trying to learn and find, like, how do I, you know, figure out, um, you know, what I'm doing? Like, how do I figure out, you know, this community thing? I was like, I got to figure out kind of like who has done this right like um so i guess could you talk to some of the communities if any that right. you look up to and why yeah so uh surprise surprise these are all going to be in the travel space because uh that's that's what i connect with a lot and it's in my space a lot so the communities that come to mind are for me, one of them is Travel Massive, which is a worldwide organization that brings travel industry professionals together. They host meetups, they have events, and they have just a lot of amazing travel professionals that you can hang out with, whether it's writers, journalists, bloggers, PR professionals in the industry. And what's nice is at their events, you really get to know people and you bond over your love of travel. And they have chapters really all over the world. So it's, it's a cool organization to be a part of because you can join different meetups for free uh, in different countries. They're all, they're, you know, they're all over the U.S. too. Uh, another community that I really like is a community called Wonderful. It's especially designed and created for women travelers. They also have chapters all over the world. And I think what resonates the most is that I've met some amazing women at their in-person meetups and at their annual summit as well. So you really get to connect with other women travelers and talk about what you're working on and, and just exchange travel stories, which when it comes down comes down to it for me i think that's really the most exciting part of it all is just being able to talk about different experiences you've had and bond with people over it and i think finally the other community that comes to mind is the impact travel alliance what i like about them is their larger mission to empower travel industry professionals to really think about and be mindful of the local environment and local communities that they are essentially affecting and when they travel and really thinking of the idea of social good and you know leaving a positive social impact on different destinations that we visit so being very being very conscious of the environment and local communities when you travel yeah i think that's such one that i just learned recently about when i was traveling to, to puerto rico and it's just like the different sorts of impact like for example i went to get i asked the waiter for a straw and he literally wow. told me he had to go ask his manager if he could give me a straw right. because they moved to strawless and i was like oh, oh wow. okay <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, that's a big that's a big movement. Now there's a lot of talk about and 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 a lot of people using um, metal straws and even travelers that I know being incredibly uh, eco-friendly and conscious of the uh, the literal footprint that they're leaving when they visit different destinations. So bringing your own water bottle, bringing special filters to filter the water so you're not using a single-use bottle, um, you know, just being mindful of, of little things that we may not necessarily think about on a daily basis, but you know, little things totally. can have a really big impact. Small or t- one of the podcasters I met, uh, Greg Clunas, he wrote a book, "Tiny Leaps, Big Changes." It reminded me of that. Nice. Um, right. So, a couple, right. a couple exactly. of the last questions that we have here. Um, one thing I always love asking guests that are in super exciting spaces like travel um, are recent trends. So, could you talk to us a little bit about some of the recent trends that you've been following? Yeah, so I think, you know, 2019, we did see some of it last year as well. And I mean, video has been important for a while, but I feel like now you can read new developments or new things about video happening more and more. And while video itself isn't new, I've been seeing a lot more video sharing. Uh, I've been seeing it a lot more on LinkedIn, which is kind of interesting. And I still feel like the, the video sharing that's happening is heavily focused on telling stories and uh, doing, doing that in a very authentic way. And, you know, I always emphasize with different people that I've worked with that it's not enough to just post something and hope that the content sticks. You have to be able to draw people in with a story or a relatable anecdote. So I think this, the video trend and, and people doing more and businesses doing more as video could be a very positive one if people remember that at the very essence of what you do, you should be thinking about what is the story and how am I providing value for other people with what I'm doing. That's so important too to remember that like this is something that I struggled with, Nicolette. Like getting started was like the hardest thing in the world. Like remember mm-hmm. I told you I went to my my phone, what was it? The, oh, I have yeah. six thousand four hundred and ninety videos and like I don't know how many pictures. Like I don't know. I have thirty thousand four hundred and thirty eight places. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like this is this is wow. something that I didn't know how to do. And so now I'm just like, my story was that like, right. I'm now learning how to produce content. But the other big key, and I really want to talk about this because mm-hmm. this came up this week, is producing content at the scale that you see it, mm-hmm. like in a Gary Vee, but in a reality that you have a full-time job. Oh, yeah. Because... I mean, I don't know how many followers. I mean, let's actually, this is fun. I see this on the Joe Rogan podcast when they like, they pause for a second and then they go to their computers and they look at stuff. So, mm -hmm. so Gary V, he has (laughs) 5.6 million followers. 
out of these followers i would love to see the data and mm-hmm. we probably could get it at some point i guarantee like half of them probably yeah. have full-time jobs probably and they're trying to figure out a way yep. to potentially leave or or you know improve their whatever situation exactly and so this is that's another that's real big piece of the conversation that i also feel like isn't being discussed as much and definitely want to share some of that here because now think about this you have now three point no two point three million people that are fighting the message that they hear from a guy that's inspiring them and they want to also do that but they don't know you know they're like one step in the journey in their specific field and they barely know how to like share their own message so they want to like share Mm -hmm. it with the world and like do all this other stuff and so i feel like there can be like it could be a double-edged sword for people that see this and so i guess one lesson that i learned was that you can only go as fast as the skills that you learned up until that moment allows you to go Yeah, that's very true. And I think nowadays, too, you brought up a good point where it can be hard if you have a full-time job to also pursue a side hustle or share a different type of story on social media because you may feel that you're being scrutinized for it or, you know, if you may feel awkward posting things on social media even though it is the space that you have carved out for yourself, it is still a very public space, depending on the network that you're on. So I can definitely seeing, see it being this double-edged sword where you want to express whatever interests you have beyond work, but you also are mindful and respectful of your employer. And so, you know, it is this balancing act of what, what can I post and how can I share things that are interesting to me without this potential conflict of interest? As right. From and the, the funny thing, whenever I, whenever I think about this topic or conversation is, is that if you talk to your employees, companies, you would know that they care about these things. Period. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so like that, is right. like a huge lesson um, just for, for a lot of people because it's, I think one thing that I'm you know gonna start to try to do more is for the other people um, that are trying to start something with full-time um, jobs or whatever you wanna call it, like you don't, you don't know where to start. Um, I'm thinking about um, figuring out a way to, to mm-hmm. give them you know, a platform or a place to start. And so like one thing is like you said, the Twitter chats, like you guys can start a Twitter chat about whatever topic you want right. and it could just be your space. And if the first 50 Twitter chats, it's only you and yourself, you now have an archive of 50 pieces of thoughts that you can go back to and learn from. Right, exactly. But you start somewhere and it starts small, but then it grows into, you know, a larger community or 
it doesn't have to be this huge community, but it becomes a space where people feel connected with each other. Right. And I guess that, like, that goes back to one of my other questions is like, how do we keep people connected? So I guess this is actually would be fun. So this actually is kind of like one of the first of its kind episodes mm -hmm. on the podcast to where I'm going to put out the episode as soon as we are finished. So this is a completely 100% live oh, run. Wow. So once this gets That's wrapped awesome. up, I'm going to go and get my podcast post-production Travis hat going um, and go ahead and put it out and hopefully try to get it out <laughs> and then see kind of what the response is like compared to normal where I go through post-production. I definitely know um, for the people that have their episodes in the queue, um, this is just going to be a bonus episode, pre-apologizing for any of you if this might make you upset. Um, just a lot of stuff I learned um, in the process now to where I feel like I could just put out an episode in the same day, like give you a quicker turnaround. Um, so this is just me experimenting with that. So hopefully it turns out good. Mm -hmm. So listeners, uh, let me know what you think with That's a review cool. or um, a tweet or whatever, how else you give feedback. Um, I'll, we'll have, I'm sure I'll have an episode about that later. Um, but so what I'd like to do is just spit off some quick ideas for how we can stay connected. Um, so like you say one, then I'll say one, and then we'll maybe we'll go for 30 seconds. Okay, so we'll start and I'll give us a five second okay. countdown and then you'll start first with a way to stay connected and then I'll go after and I'll have to say a different one. You ready? Okay. Five, yep. four, three, two, okay. one, go. <laughs> Slack. In-person meetup. Facebook. Twitter chats. <laughs> cool. Ah, uh, Instagram. <laughs> Facebook groups. The coffee shop. LinkedIn video. Good old fashioned. The cups with the strings attached. And how about a walk on the beach? How about a picnic Ooh, in the park? 30 seconds. That was fun. This should actually be really fun. I'm going to actually figure out a Perfect. way to build this into more episodes and either pick the same question or pick a different one. Actually, that would be cool. I couldn't use the same question and I have to keep getting new information. And so that way people could refer back to this piece as like an archive of different quick tips in 30 seconds that I shared with the guest. Nice. Right. Nice. No, See, awesome. you take little pieces of what fun, you learn, turn it into your own, and then share it, and then take feedback, and then figure out what's next. Um, so, speaking of what's next, um, what's up next right. for you, Nicolette? So, something that I am very excited about and that I always like to do is help people better understand the value of community building and you know whether that's online or offline community building i'd love to teach people about that and whether it's businesses and how businesses can engage people in a more meaningful way um, how you can create a platform for people to engage and inspire people to have conversations whether it's about your brand or product or just about the sense of community. And I always like to emphasize that, you know, it's not about self-promotion. It's really about creating value for other people and for other people 
to feel a closer connection. So like I said before, fundamentally, I think people will always care to have deeper conversations with others. So encouraging those connections to happen is something that I think will I love that. I'm super excited people. to see some of that. And also we can talk offline because I have another project. I feel like I, I freaked out one of my friends the other day. I told her I was doing an experiment and I just look at it from like lean startup methodology. Like I look at new projects mm-hmm. and ideas as experiments. Um, and so I'm looking to do an experiment to where I right. take the lessons and the what's next from my guests and turn them into something in the actual real world. Um, don't know what they are. It could be something as simple as a Google sheet oh, or wow. an Airtable, um, which I'm actually doing right now with some music mm-hmm. artists because I'm looking for people who want to share their music and I'm going to put them on the intros and the outros of each episode. So I have an Airtable going and I have uh, I have definitely people to get yeah. back to um, now to, to like put them on there. I'm just trying to figure out a way to collect the information um, to, in a way that I can give people, you know, access to share their music with everybody. Um, so definitely we, we can talk offline about that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, awesome. And then this is the last part of the yeah, show. Neat. So this is the freestyle um, part where I'm um, again, another experiment still learning here. Um, so this is where I'm giving Nicolette the opportunity to insert any current challenge that she's facing, um, what her dream community or initiative would look like or anything else that she would like to chat about. So um, this is your space, Nicolette. So I'm going to you know hand it over to you. Well, I think something that a lot of people will be able to relate to that's a constant challenge for me is the issue of time. So nowadays, I think it's very easy to get distracted by things and, and lose time or you know get sucked into whatever it is that you're working on and lose a bit of, a bit of time. So I think what's important is that you you give yourself some time to also let your mind wander, which is actually the opposite of time management. But I think having a moment where your mind and body can have a break is really important. So, and then, you know, it can be very energizing. You can go back to work feeling like you have a singular focus on something you care about and it feels more motivating and energizing and I think when you find that sing- singular focus, that feels very motivating. And it's easier said than done, but it's a really good love feeling that so much to have that. Because that is exactly what I have just been experiencing this last week. And just taking the time to go into deep work, um, just read or listened to Deep Work by Cal Newport. And he really talks about going into these, you know, times where mm-hmm. you are just inside of whatever you're doing. It totally consumes you. And for me, that's journaling. And right. so I've now, I have six mm-hmm. notebooks. I don't think that's a lot by any means, but to some people that's a lot. Um, and I journal everything. Like that's how I learn mm-hmm. and that's how I remember. And so for me, like journaling was the way for me to get distracted. Like I can go back to the pencil in my hand 
and the the 0.5 millimeter lead on the page and start back right where I picked up every single time. It's weird. And once you like have stuff to write about, right. I can just keep going. And literally like I could, you know, have a conversation with Lauren and mm-hmm. then go right back into my notebook after, you know, we're done and continue writing what I just did. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a very freeing feeling though to be able to just jot down your thoughts and feelings like that in in such a in yeah a it's definitely very freeing and nice way. to know that i just now have to figure out how to optimize my time as you were saying it's something that we easily forget and lose track of what's important and what's crucial mm-hmm. to then know that now i'm going through my um my deconstruction phase which uh shout out to tim ferris for that method um, that I use a lot and definitely refer to and we'll start to mm-hmm. share more with everyone because that's how I learn. Um, and Tim Ferriss, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, created a methodology called the DIS framework. And so it's, a, it's an acronym. It stands for deconstruction, selection, sequencing, and stakes. And it's a system that he used to learn anything faster. And so I've also use that system and I apply that to everything. And so now I realize that I'm just in the deconstruction phase in a lot of different areas of my life and that I don't know all the pieces yet, but what I'm starting to do is put the ones I do know in the order and give myself little stakes and timelines to put them out there to keep everything moving forward. So I guess as an example, um, this episode, right? Before we recorded it, I wasn't thinking about posting and posting immediately right after we produced it. But as we went along, I was like, hmm, what would it be like if I put out the episode right after we recorded it? Then I thought, then I was like, hmm, the tool that I have automatically transcribes it so people can already get the show notes. We already did the show notes also because we prepped and it's so much faster if I just put it out there and it's, you know, fresh. And I was like, wait, I learned all the the right. building blocks. I now did them in the right order and I can put them out there. And so like, here it is. <laughs> well, it's awesome. And I think, yeah, I mean, talking about time, it also frees up your time to totally. Do other and I think that's, that's so important. Evening. And like, time is like one thing that we can't get back. And it's just a thing that, oh, oh, actually, speaking of time, this is a very fun plug. And I've always wanted to do this. Um, Tim Ferriss is actually coming to New York to talk with Julie Rice um, from WeWork. And um, they will be sitting down and discussing tools you can use. Um, a conversation with Tim Ferriss and Julie Rice. Um, he, they're going to be talking about different productivity hacks um, that they've, you know, went through and they talk, you know, work tactics, productivity tools, time management. And so, like, this event's happening on May 5th um, down at the Made by We location at 902 Broadway at 6 p.m. So I'll also have a link to this in the show notes that you guys can sign up and get tickets for this. Um, so, yeah, this is um, right up my alley. And so now I'm just learning different ways and events like this 
I'm going to more events like this to then pick up more knowledge and tools that I can bring back and apply in my actual life. So um, just a quick plug, very, I feel like contextually relevant um, to this episode. And yeah, hopefully you guys, if you're in the city, definitely recommend you guys checking it out. Great. Well, Nicolette, this was so awesome. And um, before um, we hop off here, is there anything else that you want to share before I get into this last little surprise section um, that I've been waiting for? No, awesome. I, I'm eager so to hear about the one surprise. One thing that I mentioned <laughs> I've been experimenting and trying to learn is the you know art and skill of podcasting. And so to do that, I've looked at a lot of different you know podcasters and people that I've looked up to and listened to shows, um, people like Tom Bilyeu from um, his podcast and from Tim Ferriss and to Gary Vee. And I've always, you know, wanted to have this like bomb introduction for my guests. And I was like, you know what, like you can do this. So Nicolette, this is going to be my first run at, um, an introduction and I'm going to save it for the last part, but people that are listening, they can obviously go to the end and find this. Um, but hopefully moving forward, I'll be able to do an introduction like this and just improve upon it. Um, and then, um, we'll, we'll hop off and then this will be the end of the show. Awesome. Good. Um, thanks so again, again, thanks for everyone for hopping you. on. Really um, and now I would like to introduce Nicolette. She is the founder of the weekly Twitter chat, Culture Trav, which brings travelers together to discuss their cultural travel experiences. It is an extension of the chat. Nicolette launched culturetrav.co, an online community website focused on stories about immersion in local culture. In late 2018, Nicolette launched a Kickstarter for Travel Banter, a conversation starter game inspired by her Culture Trav community. Outside of travel, Nicolette works in social media strategy and loves to help others build their social communities. She has helped launch online communities in healthcare, insurance, travel, and lifestyle magazine industries. Please welcome and thank for sharing this space with us, Nicolette. 